0: studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepard. Michael, thanks for investing this hour with us.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah,
0: this is a pleasure. It really is. We always had such fun together.
1: We've been doing this a long time, Wayne. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, don't make me sad now. <laughs> don't make me cry. Hey, uh, we always ask listeners for some feedback. First of all, let me mention that Chris Fabry will join us on yes. the program. You're always. often on his radio show. I know. He's he's so encouraging and so supportive. He means a lot to me. He's so a good guy. Turn about his fair play. So, Chris will join us in just a few moments here in the studio with Michael Cart. Hey, we always welcome feedback and encourage it from listeners. Can I share a couple of these? Sure, as
1: long as it's positive.
0: <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> this comes from Blair, who is referring back to our Easter special podcast and says, That was so special. And it was reinforced by some things that another friend had written about Christ entering into our suffering, hmm. something I'd read only a day or two before hearing the podcast. So I shared the podcast with him funny how god does that Mm -hmm. bless you all i'm thankful for your ministry as always so
1: yeah it's it it happens you're like on your way home from church and you've heard a sermon on something and then someone on the radio is talking about the same thing it's no accident
0: yes uh here's another one referring to that program Uh, my name is jackson i want to reach out and thank you uh, so much for the work that you do through the show i'm a 20 year old Mm. believer living in tasmania australia wow and came to faith in Jesus mid-2017 when I moved down here to begin university. Hmm. The podcast helps me through my struggles of faith, and I see that God has gifted me knowledge of your podcast to be the one one of the major players in my spiritual growth these days. Wow. So thank you again, my brothers, he says. That's as far away from
1: here <laughs> yeah. as you can get. Tasmania.
0: Yeah. Wow, wow thank you. Just briefly, Janice says, Mike's extraordinary music at Easter has been the background for my personal worship for many years. What an extra enhancement this podcast has been. It feels like the conversations between between old friends about the greater friend of all. Thank you, she said. Wow. Such encouragement. Yeah. Email those to me, would you? (laughs) (laughs) I will get that to you. I I think maybe we already have. it somewhere in your email list there. Hey, as I said, Chris Faber is going to join us in a few moments. Uh, Chris is not only a writer, but a radio person as well.
1: Yeah. And, And one of the most creative people I know in terms of I mean, just quantity. He's written over 80 books. I mean,
0: come on. And speaking novelist. of books, you, you always got something in the hopper, and you're, you're writing a book now.
1: Yeah, I'm writing actually two at the same time. I've never done that before. Uh, but but And they're both on the life of Jesus. So figure that out. Okay. Yeah. How you keep that straight? I have no idea. No.
0: <laughs> but we're going to talk about uh, some of the material in one of those books right. in the second half of our conversation right. today uh-huh. coming up. In the studio with Michael Card. Anything else you want to say to open this, uh, this time together? Well,
1: I, I just appreciate uh, listeners taking the time to, you know, come come away from the busyness of the world and, and sit and listen to what we have to say. I,
0: that never ceases to amaze me that people will do that. So we appreciate the fact that you're with us. And if you haven't subscribed yet, if you just have occasionally picked up the podcast, go ahead and make the... Uh, Move to subscribe Mm -hmm. on iTunes or Google Play, and then leave us a review. That always is very helpful. As As long long. as it's positive. (laughs) You're always so positive. (laughs) If you have negative things, just keep that to yourself. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get started with a song, and then we'll talk with Chris. The song is Poem of Your Life. And there's a very important player on this song. I don't remember getting a royalty check for this. Yeah, one. I, uh, it's in the mail. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's in the mail. Right. You'll get it soon. Okay, you uh, you forced me to play yeah. the hurdy gurdy. Well, in the,
1: in the background, you're going to hear a, a a groan. How can how's it <laughs> best described? A whine, a groan, a, a, a deep <laughs> whine. Yeah, and that is a, a very. It's a medieval instrument called the hurdy gurdy. And uh, Wayne was in the studio and. And was just sort of attracted to this instrument, and and the hurdy gurdy is being played by Wayne
0: Shepherd Wait a minute, on this song. I was song. attracted to this instrument. I think you ask, w- what is that? <laughs> yeah, I'm such a whiner.
1: Yeah, and I said, here, turn the crank and see what happens. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, here's what happened. <laughs>
2: one, two, three, one. We must sing with our days A poem with meaning more than words can say A painting with colors no rainbow can tell A lyric that rhymes either heaven or hell We are living letters that doubt desecrates We're the notes of the song of the chorus of faith and God shapes every second of our little lives And minds every minute as the universe breaks by The pain and the longing, the joy and the moments of life Are the rhythm and rhyme, the free verse of the poem of life In the mirror and pray for the grace to tear off the mask see the art of your face and open your eyelids to hear the sweet song of each moment that passes and pray to prolong your time in the ball of the dance of your days your canvas of colors of moments ablaze with all that is holy with the joy and the strife With the rhythm and rhyme of the poem of your life With the rhythm and rhyme of the poem of your life The pain and the longing, the joy and the moments of life Are the rhythm and rhyme the free verse of the poem of life
0: of your life. Thank you, Michael. And that leads right into our conversation and our guest coming up now. I dare say everyone will know this name. Oh, certainly. Either they've read one of his many books yes. or have listened to his radio program, yes. of which you are a guest quite frequently. Yes,
1: he's one of the few people that still uh, encourages me and kind of keeps
0: me yep. going. You, well, well, Along we, with you and well, Joe Carlson. Well, we, we try. Thank you. We try. <laughs> Why don't you introduce our guest?
1: Well, I, this is a person I, I think if memory serves me correctly i remember him sort of as a this lanky teenager sort of bouncing around the 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 upstairs at uh, moody
0: Moody Radio. Yeah, that's how I remember him too. Okay, good, good, good. So I'm, I didn't make that up. Yeah, and Chris and I have signed an agreement that we're not going to tell stories on each other here. So. <laughs>
3: hey, I don't. I haven't signed that agreement. Yeah. I'm telling stories about you till the day I die. <laughs> well, I've been making up stories about Wayne. I'm, yeah, I got real ones. All right,
0: boys, yeah. let me reel this in. Okay, never let I'll, the truth get in the way of a good story, I'll be Chris. the adult in the room here.
3: Chris Fabry, welcome. <laughs> Hey, it's great to be with you both, and I'm really looking forward to this because I have no idea what you're going to ask me, but I know I've got an answer.
0: Yeah, good. If you don't know me, just make something up. That's what we do. (laughs) Like you being on Chris's show, right? You you don't know what he's going to ask you. Never. Never. Yeah. He doesn't send you questions ahead of time. No.
3: (laughs) Chris, seriously, welcome. Great to have you in the studio with us. I am glad to be here, and I know that we're going to talk about what that poem of your life means. yes. Uh, that comes from what, when I read Ephesians two and that great passage about uh, being saved by grace through faith, I come to the 10th verse and it says, for we are his workmanship. And I know that Michael, you know more about that word than we do, but we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I'm just blown away by all of that. And looking at your a career, Michael. You, God planned beforehand that you would do the things that you do out of who He has made you to be. The doing comes out of the being, and so I look at that and I just think, "Wow, that's what I want to do when I grow up." Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: but if you're if you're me and you look back on that, you realize I had no idea that any of that was going on. <laughs> right. It, it really was all Him directing and moving and um and you must have the same experience i mean you look back on all that you've done and all that you've written and um I, here, here's my here's my parable um 30 years ago we decided we wanted a log cabin so i buy a log cabin in hopkinsville kentucky that they were about to burn oh okay and me and a couple of guys tear it down move it to franklin and rebuild it and when i'm all done i'm standing outside of it and i really look at it and said where did that come from <laughs> hmm. how did that happen i had i had no awareness of all the work that went into it and all the you know blisters and dropping things on your foot and that all that all that business it was just this creative thing that happened and yes. and i have a similar you know i look back on you know, however many books and records. And I go, where, where
3: did all that come from? Do you feel that way? I do. And it's, uh, the, the overwhelming feeling that I get is that it is in spite of me. Yes. In spite <laughs> of my, uh, selfish desires and my, I can take you to the, a window on the corner of Chicago and LaSalle and take you to this bookstore window. It's not a bookstore anymore. I don't think. No, it's not. But, take you there and show you where I would walk past and I would think one day I'm going to have a book in this window. One day (laughs) Hmm. a book with my name on the spine is going to be there. And it was a very selfish dream that I had. It was very small dream in one sense. I, I just a a couple of weekends ago had a book that I had written 15 years ago, handed to me by an 18 year old, 18 or 19 year old. And he said, this is one of the books that I, uh, you know, kind of was formative for me. Would you sign this? And I opened the front of it, you know, a 15-year-old book. And inside, was, was a, it was already inscribed to him. And I said, well, who is this? He said, that's my grandmother. She gave it to me. Wow. <laughs> and so I'm signing a book that I, I got up at 2 o'clock in the morning and had this kind of, you know, this dream that came to life and I had to go to the the computer and I I sent a chapter to Jerry Jenkins. I said, Jerry, I think I think there's something to this. And then I went back to bed. (laughs) (laughs) And years later then we actually wrote the thing, 15 years after that, I get this kid, you know, 18 years old, it's a grown person, but that I I didn't have anything to do with that. You know, that was just me Being obedient to whatever it is that God put on my heart that morning and then working it out through the editorial process and you know all about that. Mm. It's just being uh, obedient to what God's given you, who you are, and then to be and do from that.
1: Well, I like to say God uses mixed motives because that's all he's got to work with.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. One of my favorite uh, phrases is that we don't get the life we deserve, we get the life God designs. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't Ooh, know who said that. That's good. I'm not, not sure who said I'll have to look that up sometime. But.
3: Well, well were, see, when, what I say is, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, Michael, I think it happens with songwriting as well as it does. I, may, I deal mainly in fiction. I've written some nonfiction too. But I believe that writing is joining yourself in your own journey, hmm. that the process of you know, journaling can be this or writing in your diary. But also when I look back at the stories that I've written – all of that bubbled up from inside the pain, the struggle, the frustration, the doubt, the despair the, you know, all of those things bubbled up. When I look back at the books, I see my life put before me and how I worked out all the questions that I had through stories. So, are they parables in that sense? In one sense, they are. In one sense, they they tell more about me than I want you to know. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't I wasn't doing that on purpose. I was just kind of joining myself in that journey. Mm. Uh, I and here's the other thing about it that the the whole process of writing you you helped me a long time ago. Um, we did a program together and, uh, you said, well, I I can't talk anymore. I got to get back to work and I'm, I'm working on an album. I got to write three more songs today or something like that.
1: We were talking and I said, I can't
3: talk to you anymore. I've got to go work on something. Rude. Did I actually say that? It was something like that. What a jerk. I got to get back to work. And what I tell people who come to me and say so how did you do what you're doing i've i've published 81 books now wow. since 1995 and they ask me what 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 is your secret how do you get that done and i say writing is more like digging a ditch than anything. Yeah. Nobody on the construction crew cares if you feel inspired to dig, grab a shovel uh, shovel, and show up. Yeah. And, and writing is the same way and writing songs is the same way. Yes, there are some days that are easier than others, you know, and some songs that come quicker, more quickly than others. Yeah. But when I go back and I look at, you know, a 400-page manuscript and I do my own self-editing before I send it off, I can't tell which was a good day and which was a bad day. Hmm. It all looks the same. So just show up and and do what God has prepared you to do. Yeah, I had a professor, Dr.
1: Roberts, who used to, when we would come and complain about writing papers, he was a Kierkegaard professor, so (laughs) there was a lot to complain about. (laughs) He would say, go hold the pen to the paper. Hmm. And I can remember actually of course you feel like a complete buffoon, but you I actually sat at my desk and held the pen to the paper waiting for <laughs> something to happen and that it's, it gets to that uh, that ludicrous sort of level. but I, I hear what you're talking about It's Chris.
0: discipline, isn't it?
2: Is it discipline or
1: is it I don't think I, you get you should get points for discipline This isn't discipline.
3: it's something else. I think there's an aspect of discipline, but it really takes faith. When you sit down and I put my you know fingers over the keys, yeah, I think there is an expectation. I can't do this on my own. I yeah. don't know how to do this. Even after you know writing that many books, it's like every one of them I have the doubt and the fear. You know, of, yeah. will I be able to finish this? But I I really think it's a an aspect of faith that you say, God, you need to show up here. And I go back to your book on hesed, uh the book Inexpressible. I underlined this thing so many times. And here is what you said about God's steadfast love that, and the everlasting quality of it. You said, what are the implications for us today of God's Hesed being everlasting and eternal? What kind of confidence might be born in our hearts and minds if we trusted that God's love, mercy, and kindness... Will never fail. Mm-hmm. What would happen to our deepest lingering fears if we could summon the audacity to believe this promise, a promise that meant so much to Israel? Mm-hmm. And I come back to that. It's God's love that draws me to the page. I come alive when I'm telling stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife told me that this weekend. It's like she said, there's nothing like seeing you when you're in the middle of something. You're, mm. You just come alive. <laughs> and I think that's part of when we are in the middle of the workmanship that God has created us to do, when we're walking in that, we will feel most alive mm. in what we do.
0: Mm. All right. Let me ask wow. both of you, when someone comes to you and says, well, how do I get to do what you do? How do you mm. answer?
1: Uh, I, I usually quote quote Bonhoeffer who said, uh, the call makes everything possible. I think there's a degree to which you re- have to realize that you're called, but the problem with that is you don't realize the calling until you try to get in there and get, get your hands dirty trying to do it. But I do, I do still think that the call makes everything possible. I think fundamentally you're called to do, whether it's writing or any kind of creative work or mercy ministry or hospitality. I mean, it's not just... There's tremendous creativity that's called for it to be hospitable, yeah. or to have a mercy ministry. Yeah,
0: Chris, as you think about your answer, I, I, this is for me. I'm sitting on a voicemail. I need to answer right now. Mm-hmm. A guy called me today and says, "How do I get to be in radio like you've been in radio?" I I don't know how to answer that question, Chris.
3: Well, there is um, this expectation that we have that it's going to look like something. Let's let's say in the writing. I'm going to write this story. I'm going to have it published. A publisher is going to track me down and give me a lot of money and as an advance. And then millions of people are going to read it, and I can retire and I can just do you know write stories the rest of my life. And there'll be a movie, my, exactly. You know all of that stuff. This is how it's going to happen. And if that is your expectation, if that's what you, why you're going into writing, you don't want. You're not. You don't love writing. You love the results of having a bestseller. Ah. So you need to go towards something else. If you really love writing or you really love music, what you will do, whether you're a quote-unquote success or best-selling author or whatever, you will run toward that and it will come leaking out of your life no matter what you do. Mm. So release the expectation of what the end result is going to be and allow God to do so. That's why I think you tell Michael, people, get involved in your church. Sing in a small group. Start small. Do something like that and see what happens in the middle of all that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I really do think, especially with people that are involved in music, but it, it comes in out in other ways, if if you something in you resonates with um, uh, writing a song that that helps someone who's hurting or confused, or if that's where you, you know, you the the payoff is for you as opposed to being on the radio or whatever, uh, however else it comes out these days. Um, then I think it's like Chris is saying you're, you're being you're being
3: pulled to that, yes, yeah. and that's good. See, I think God. God gives that kind of you know how many people in the world who would don't want to be behind a microphone, you know who don't want to be up front or who don't want to write the last thing in the world they want to do, if you've got that bubbling around in your soul, then then move toward that and don't spike it. That was one of the struggles that I had very early on, and I had Jerry Jenkins help me because I give him a story and he would you know, redline it, edit it just so painfully and i'd say well i don't i don't know i don't want to have this published i just want to know if this is any good and he said chris if god has given you something to say why wouldn't you want people to read this mm-hmm. you don't want to hide this under a bushel and even though i don't have you know degrees in this that and the other thing he kind of freed me up to say if god's given you this desire then then move toward that and just allow him to have the results mm-hmm.
0: Chris, you believe that these things can be taught to a degree because you, you have
3: conferences that you're doing now, right? Yeah, I actually online. And and you know where the title for this came from? It was, I believe that you have to have validation from somebody who knows more than you do. And I had a college professor write on one of my forms. I'll never forget it. Four words. I was in high school. He wrote in red ink, hey, comma, you can write <laughs> exclamation point. That's all he said. And I had had so many people say, you know, give me deriding comments and just kind of shut me down. But this fellow said, hey, you can write. So I titled my website, heyyoucanwrite.com wow. as an honor. You know, I want to do the same thing for other people that he did for me. Wow. Any
0: early affirmation like that, Michael, for you?
1: Uh, I had a I had a college. Uh, we took a class in writing, and he he read my paper. It was a horrible paper that I wrote, but he read it and as sort of this is kind of what we're going for. He didn't say, mm-hmm. "Hey, you can write." That, that would have been cool, but uh, yeah, I I really do think that 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 there are there are those uh, sort of flag flag waivers along the way that that say, "Yeah, I think you can you can actually do this." And if they if they weren't there. You know I, I would be a forest ranger doing bird counts for the forestry service, which I still think would be a pretty cool job. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're called to
0: that, run run toward it, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay, Chris, where's the starting point for someone who wants to follow up on this?
3: Well, I think you you sit down and and you're right. you spend some time doing it. there There's so many things that's the other thing people ask me, you know how do you, how do you get the volume of stuff that you've done? I've had to say no to a lot of different things. And Andrea and I, my wife Andrea and I have nine children. So there's, you know, little discretionary time that we have, but I've missed a lot of seasons of TV shows because (laughs) I, you know, I just make, you will do the thing that you really want to do. You haven't missed much, by the way. the only way to do this is, is to sit down and do it and to start doing it and to read about writing and, you know, go to a website like mine or others that will say, yeah, you can do this. It's important. If God's calling you to it, you can. Hmm. That's Chris Fabry, hmm.
0: our guest here with Michael Card. Um, hey, guys, thank you. Very helpful. Very interesting. Yeah, I would so appreciate you giving us this time. Thank you, Chris. It's been my pleasure, my honor. Thank you. How about, Chris, we're going to end with a song here. Uh, Kirk Whalem is going to join Michael on this song with his Speak, saxophone.
1: Speaking of creativity and somebody who is drawn to something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Michael's song, What Will It Take to Keep You from Jesus?
2: Take To keep you from Jesus Keep you from heeding His call The simple excuse of a heart that is hard A reason that's nothing at all And there was a man who was owned by his money He was as rich as could be But deep in his heart was a voice that was crying Telling him he wasn't free When he questioned the master concerning his problem The answer took his breath away For his money had come to me more than his soul Forever was dead in his way What will it take to keep you from Jesus Keep you from heeding his call simple excuse of a heart that is hard A reason that's nothing at all And how long before you stop with your reasons Take your defenses away It's only a lie that keeps you from following Don't let it stand in your way So many excuses and so many lies Are blocking the light and the way But the final decision to follow the Lord Will shatter and blow them away And once there was one who was lame in his body Sick in his body and soul Though he didn't know all the facts about Jesus He knew that he longed to be home. So with some of his friends he went seeking and found him So many stood in their way So they tore through the roof and they lowered him down For nothing could keep him away and what will it take to keep you from Jesus? Simple excuse of a heart that is hard, a reason that's nothing at all.
0: challenging song to wrap up the first half of this session. We hope you'll take time to explore more of what we have available that can amplify what we present here in the studio. Our website has been updated and we're excited about what's waiting for you when you visit michaelcard.com. Coming up, we'll continue in this session with teaching from Michael on lessons from the life of Christ when we return in just a moment here in the studio with Michael Card. join us for a classic edition of In the Studio with Michael Card. We'll open up the program archives and present a session recorded at the Mole End Studio. The Bible teaching, guest conversations, and studio music performances are some of the most inspiring times when we gathered in Franklin, Tennessee. The instruments are tuned, the Bible is open, so make sure you join us. Look for the post and invite other like minds to hear the podcast. All the details at michaelcard.com. One of the cool things about the podcast is we get a preview of Coming Attractions from Michael Card. You said you're working on two books simultaneously. Yes, both on The Life of Jesus. Explain that to me. (laughs) I I can't begin to understand how you can do that.
1: Me neither. (laughs) Well, one is is based on lyrics. Uh, Last four four, uh, CDs were uh, on each one of the Gospels. Mm -hmm. So I had uh, basically 40 new songs on The Life of Jesus. And what I wanted to do was go back and, and and write what I'm calling a lyrical life. Here's his life told on the basis of lyrics, mm-hmm. song lyrics. And, mm-hmm. and so there's a part of the book that explains how lyrics work and and uh, what each song lyrically is trying to say. But then there's an essay that's almost kind of a devotion that goes with each lyric, too. Do
0: you have a working title for the book?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm calling it The Nazarene Colon A Lyrical Life. But uh-huh. the publishers always change it, so... <laughs>
0: But when they do, we will know what Michael Card we'll really know had in his heart. The real title actually is, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, can we? Uh, how do you want to proceed? We're going to hear a song in a moment called "The Paradigm." Okay. You want to share part of the book with us that I, you've written? Yeah, I can read the the rough essay uh, for you.
1: Oh well, I'd love to hear it. And uh, um, so there may be a a, a, a misstep here or two to here or there, but uh, this it's called "The Paradigm." This is Mark ten forty six through fifty two. He doesn't seem much, sitting there beside the road to Jerusalem with his coat stretched in front of him to catch the coins he's begging for. He's blind, and because of his blindness, he's poor. In Jesus' day, he would have been blamed for his blindness. Remember the disciples' earlier question, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That's John 9, 2. He's heard about Jesus because by this point, everyone's heard about Jesus, So he parks himself on the road out of town where he knows Jesus will pass by with a herd of Passover pilgrims on his way to Jerusalem. It's important to recognize this crowd is not composed of followers of Jesus specifically. Mark says uh, that Jesus and the twelve are, quote, together with the crowd, which is about to start the steep climb uh, from approximately 1,000 feet below sea level, which is where Jericho is, to 2,500 feet above sea level in Jerusalem. So it's a long climb. Uh, As with the children before, the disciples believe Bartimaeus is not worthy of Jesus' time or attention. Jesus is too important as they are coming to believe they are too important because they've just been arguing about who's the greatest. If you're listening to Mark closely, you know Jesus is looking for followers who are willing to believe without seeing, who will trust Him who will take his word and accept who he is without proof. I believe Bartimaeus is the disciple Jesus had been looking for for three years. Hmm. And he finds him poignantly enough just a few weeks before the cross. There must be a point um, to Jesus' question, because it is painfully obvious to everyone what Bartimaeus needs. Still, Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? In verse 51, which if you think about it, Saying that to a blind man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Perhaps he asks because he wants to hear those words uh, hear those words from someone, anyone. He wants to hear them say, I want to see. He's he's been waiting for someone who'll say that. Perhaps he wants the crowd to hear them or the twelve. Maybe he knows Bartimaeus needs to say them. Maybe it was for all these reasons, but say them he does, and they hang in the air and echo down the centuries to our ears. I want to see. We think we know his name, Bartimaeus, but the truth is we do not. We only know his father's name. Bartimaeus is Aramaic for the son of Timaeus. Oh, okay. Timaeus' nameless son is healed remarkably by one unexpected word from Jesus. Jesus says, go, and that's what heals him. And Mark tells us he goes, that is, he follows Jesus. I'd like to think he accompanied Jesus up the steep ridge all the way to Jerusalem, marveling along the way at every step by all the things he's seeing for the first time. with Imagine that. Think about that. Yeah, Yeah, okay. As remarkable as the story is, perhaps most remarkable, is the smallest hint in verse 49 and what it points to. Have courage, someone in the crowd tells Timaeus' son. Those words point to an ancient message that was spoken directly to Bartimaeus by uh, Isaiah the prophet almost a 1,000 years earlier. Be strong, says Isaiah, or have courage. Here is your God, then the eyes of the blind
0: will be open. Let's listen to the song, The Paradigm. He
2: is poor, he is blind. He will be a paradigm One that Jesus' greatest finds There beside the road Calling out, he has the nerve To want what he does not deserve All the beggars begging for Mercy from the Lord So come all you beggars Up on your feet Take courage, he's calling to you To surrender your striving. And find the nerve To boldly ask For what you don't deserve A timeless moment Caught in time The beggar leaves it all behind Then the perfect paradigm Calls Jesus by name Calling out on his knees with one request he wants to see and he could see immediately when jesus said go so come all you beggars up on your feet take courage he's calling to you to surrender your striving and find the nerve to boldly ask for what you don't deserve
0: You can track with us now as we talk about this passage, Mark chapter ten, verses forty-six through fifty-two. The story of blind Bartimaeus. When mm-hmm. I I think of Bartimaeus, I think of a children's book that my kids always love to read. I love to read to them
1: mm-hmm. called
0: Bl- "The Blind Bartimaeus." You know, mm-hmm. I can see the pictures in that book still after all these years. So
1: yeah, he he's a wonderful character. Um... He's he's excluded, right? You know, be quiet. They keep, they yeah, keep telling, and, yeah. but he won't he won't <laughs> shut up, which that endears him to me, right? Uh, he's you know he he won't go along with the flow. But I, I I'm fascinated by this idea that the disciples think Jesus is too important because they think they're too important. Mm-hmm. They're they're you know their they importance imagine is
0: just the reality of what just took place. Yeah,
1: yeah, right. They've just been arguing about who's the greatest. Right. And so, if if we're so great, well, certainly, you know, we don't have time for this guy. So Jesus must not have time for this guy either. And uh, but Jesus won't have anything to do with that, right? He he uh, he he focuses his, his attention on this person. And what what must that have been like to have Jesus single you out and ask you a question like, "What do you want me to do for when you?" When most
0: people likely ignored him.
1: Yeah. Oh, and Bartimaeus, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, I, I saw I saw on the internet the other day Jesus spent most of his time with people that we spend most of our time trying to you know ignore trying to get <laughs> get trying to get away from That's true but he focuses on this uh, this little man and for some reason I always picture Bartimaeus as being short. Um, what do you want me to do for you? And, and I really do think Jesus has been waiting for
0: three years to hear someone say, I want to see.
1: Yeah, I wanted to ask you
0: about that. What did you mean by the disciple that Jesus was always looking for?
1: Well, it, um, we believe that Mark, uh, the, the, the witness for the gospel of Mark is really Peter. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mark is the disciple of Peter. Peter refers to him as his son. Right. And, uh, and this, is, this is a pretty standard uh, interpretation and if you, if you look uh, in, uh, in Peter's writings, though you have not seen him, yet you believe in him and are filled with this you know, inexpressible joy kind of thing. Uh, and, it, and if you follow the story of the Gospel of Mark, um, Jesus is intent on finding people who are willing to believe without seeing. So it's not like the miracles are proof and you see them and then you believe. That's not how it works He's looking for some somebody who's willing to believe without seeing. At one point at one point he'll say, "Will you at least believe on yeah. the basis of the miracles?" But that's that's not really what he's looking for. Yeah. And so when he finds this blind person, I mean he's the perfect person. He's never seen anything.
0: Uh, he he he's willing to believe Jesus without seeing. Wasn't it to the centurion? He said, "I've not seen a greater faith." Yeah, right. Because the same situation. Yeah. He believed without actually See experiencing right, right, and 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 again, I
1: think that's what Jesus is looking for. The the lesson is that's what he's looking for in us. People who who ask for signs never believe them when they come, and uh, yeah, to 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 trust to trust and believe Jesus uh, without proof, hmm. and that's real faith.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then you talked about the fact using the the biblical imagination that mm-hmm. we've talked about many times. The idea that Bartimaeus went along with Jesus up to Jerusalem.
1: Yeah, I mean, Mark says he followed him, so okay, that right. we're not
0: completely, you know. But I making mean, the imagination comes in with thinking about what that must have that have been like being being able to see for the first right. time.
1: What does that detail mean? <laughs> yeah. What does it mean that this formerly blind person then follows Jesus? And and I like I said in the essay, I like to think he followed him all the way to Jerusalem. And and, and, and if that's true. Then when Jesus enters Jerusalem for the last time, there's a blind guy on one side of him and a dead guy, Lazarus, on the other side of him.
0: Well, he's not blind any longer, yeah, but right. I know what you mean. And well, yeah, and Lazarus yeah, isn't yeah. dead
1: any longer. <laughs> oh, yeah, but they mean? they keep referring to Lazarus as the dead man. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that? No. Oh, yeah. The dead man got up and walked and that kind of thing. But anyway. Um, dead man walking. Yeah. So 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 what's it like when you're walking up the ridge and there's this person who's seeing things for the first time? and. And I imagine him. He can't shut up. Wow! Is that the sun? Gee, that's beautiful. Oh, look at those hills. What color is it? What do you call that color? You know, you just maybe, maybe I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm going too far with it. But I really do believe we're supposed to engage with Scripture at yeah. the level of the informed imagination. But I've seen
0: YouTube videos of people who are given sight for the first time, or at least the ability to discern color, yeah. for the first time, and it's remarkable and very emotional.
1: Yeah. Yeah, how can you not weep? Yeah, and and I, we were talking earlier before about these young children that they fit with hearing aids who've never heard anything, and they mm-hmm. hear their mother say "I love you"
0: for the first time, and uh, yeah, it's pretty mm-hmm. powerful. So, what are we to take away from Mark ten, the story of blind Bartimaeus?
1: Well, I, I I think the 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 healing by means of the word "go" is is one of the most important details of that passage. Uh, you know, it's not – he doesn't, you know, put mud on his eyes. He does that elsewhere. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't do – he never does anything the same way, you know, twice. But I, I think what, what heals Bartimaeus is the invitation or, or the command to go. And and he does that. He follows Jesus. And um, I think sometimes we can be healed, our eyes can be opened as we, in obedience, follow
0: Jesus. I think that's, that's what's behind that healing. Yeah, the, the command from Jesus is is sort of unlikely. Go. Mm-hmm. Um, you would expect him to say, you know, those aren't the words you use to heal someone who's blind. No, that's what I'm trying to get right, at. Right right.
1: right, right. Now, and and that's what I think. That's that you've got to stop and say, wait a minute, what what's Jesus doing there? There's something, and, and, and the miracle too. And this is also consistent with the miracles the miracles of Jesus. The miracle is never the point. Uh, the the miracle is Bartimaeus is following Jesus. Uh, the, the miracle of the of the, um, the Centurion in luke seven it's not it 's not that his slave is healed. that happens off stage. You never even see the miracle mm-hmm, happening. Mm-hmm. The miracle is the faith of the centurion who is willing to ask for what he doesn't deserve. In fact, Bartimaeus does the same thing he 's asking for mercy, which by definition is something he doesn't deserve. The miracle one of my favorite miracles in Matthew seventeen, the coin in the fish 's mouth you don 't see that at all. Right? Jesus tells Peter to do it, yep. but Matthew doesn't say, and Peter took his line and went to the and pulled it in the fish, and lo and behold, there was a f-. that doesn't even happen. We don't and need it, the payoff. You just assume it, and I think it's a safe assumption that it did happen, but um, I think so often with the miracles, the miracle is not the point. The point is following Jesus. The miracle is faith. The miracle is realizing that that he is the person to whom I can give all of my life. Uh
0: whether he heals me or not or whether the miracle happens or not. Well, it's so interesting, again, to get a little preview of what uh, what you're doing right now. I mean, mm-hmm. this is what you are working on even as we speak. I think about it all the time, yeah. Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> you really immerse yourself in writing these books, don't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the books. Yeah,
1: and the the other one that's also on the life of Jesus is based on it, it's somewhat kind of what we've just talked about it, and that is what do the details of Jesus' life mean? Uh, all of us uh, know lots of details. We know the details. But uh, I was in Jerusalem last year and was talking with a rabbi about uh, Jesus being kosher or not. This rabbi has a high tolerance for Christians, right? So we can have this discussion. And um, and I said, well, if, obviously, of course, Jesus is kosher. He he goes to the three feasts. I mean, he he lives in. Galilee, but he does this 120 mile round trip journey three times uh, uh, a year. And and John he goes for Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication, which isn't even a biblical feast. I mean, he does it goes all the way to Jerusalem for that. But um, but this rabbi says, well, what does that mean? I said, what do you mean? What what was it? Why don't you tell me? And he says, well, what that means is that Jesus spends three months out of every year walking back and forth to Jerusalem. When he said that. It just flipped this switch in me. I thought, okay, I'm going to find every one of those that I can. So, so what What do the details mean? The details of Judas kissing Jesus, I mean, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What that means is, is that Jesus is unrecognizable. He's not wearing white when everyone else is wearing you know, colors. He's not six inches taller with blue eyes you know, with a little halo around. His. He is unrecognizable. He has to be pointed out. To the soldiers by Judas, so that's one thing that the kiss of Judas means, and so that's what I'm I'm doing now. I'm, I'm squeezing every
0: little yeah. detail dry. Well, I know there's some people listening right now who will pray for you as you enter into this task yeah, of these please. books. Um, I know you appreciate that and and realize you need that. So.
1: I do, and I pray, and I pray. Uh, I'm the, what I ask for is is prayer for uh, focus and direction, because I can I can run down you know all kinds of bunny trails that that are that waste time and in the end aren't helpful to anybody. Uh, but, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm praying for. is I, I, I really do think we need to uh, fall in love with the person of Jesus again. Uh, if you remember the Jesus movement, the, the, the excitement of the Jesus movement came from the fact that we just became mm-hmm. enthralled yep. by the person, this person of Jesus. And I just don't see that. Uh, uh I, I you know we I think American Christianity is Pauline. We we know
0: Paul better than mm-hmm. we know Jesus. That's a good word, good yeah. challenge to us. Well, we'll wrap up this conversation in a moment, but first I want to hear one of your songs again. Okay. Uh, this is your rendition of "I Will Arise." Right, All right. Right.
1: And I think this was a a Negro spiritual, so it's it's fun to reshape and recast these things, and and uh, we'll see how it goes. Let's listen.
2: Come ye thirsty, come and welcome God's free bounty, glorify true belief and true repentance, every grace that brings you nigh.
0: was almost in tune. Almost, <laughs> you know what I can't tell, but I'd love to hear you play uh, the banjo. Oh, thank you. That, that was a lot of fun to listen to. <laughs> I will arise and go to Jesus. Well, Mike, uh, we try to cover three broad themes in the program. We talked with Chris Fabry about creativity, and mm-hmm. we talked about commentary with uh, our discussion of Blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter ten. I will arise and go to Jesus. That covers the community aspect, mm-hmm. doesn't
1: it? Yeah, and it's interesting when when uh, when the call comes. Uh, how often it is? It's a communal call and the way I think about it, Wayne, is the, the most uh, one of the most deliberate things that Jesus did was create communities. He created three that we know of the three, the 12 mm-hmm. and the 70. yeah uh, and they are, they are uh, s- basically circles of, of intimacy. Right, um, the three, which is actually patterned after uh David had the, his three mighty men, so oh. that comes that comes right out of David's life I had made that connection, yeah, so the the three are you know P- Peter James and John, and when he needs uh companionship when he needs somebody to pray with him uh when uh when he when he wants them to see, for example, when he raises the little girl from the dead he takes them in you know with him, that sort of thing um. And my question is, uh, how many people can you really know at at, a, at an intimate level? You can ask them anything; they can ask you anything. Three is kind of pushing it. Mm-hmm. I've got two people like that mm-hmm. in my life, but mm-hmm. I think Jesus has three. Um, then twelve is the next sort of circle out uh, level of intimacy. Um, and you know, I say this: how many people do you know? You know pretty much everything about them. You know their 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 spouses' names, their kids' names. Uh the number twelve twelve is sort of pushing it. Yeah. So Jesus has the, the twelve, and you know, some of the twelve we don't even hear don't even open their mouths in the mm-hmm, gospels, mm-hmm. right? I mean one of the disciples we don't even know his name. Hmm. Uh, Bartholomew, uh Bar means in Aramaic means son. He's the son of Tolmai. But we don't even know his name. Okay. Uh and then the next uh level of uh community uh, are the 70. We know that Jesus gets that number. Well, he gets the 12, that number from the 12 tribes, but mm-hmm. then the 70, that's the elders, the mm-hmm. 70 elders. And, um, you know, y- y- how many people do you know their name? Well, 70 is kind of, for me anyway, is kind of pushing it. So I think <laughs> At Jesus. Least remembering them all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I think there are concentric circles of intimacy, three communities that Jesus uh, creates. And to all those, what's a total? Twelve. What's twelve plus seventy? Eighty-two. Eighty-two. Yeah. So to these eighty-two people, uh, Jesus issues the call. You know, follow me. And and follow me implies go, go with me. And uh, and so I yeah I think the call comes out uh, communally as much as it does Interesting. individually. Interesting. Yeah. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you uh, as a community, and we pray that you would give us ears to hear. And, and, and eyes to perceive uh, that you have called us to go and to be your men and women and to love uh, well in your name.
0: been a great hour together, hasn't it? We started this session with some listener comments, and before we go, we wanted to share a few more. Susan tells us, some lessons are harder than others for someone like me, but sometimes all the more necessary. Thank you for tackling them and helping us understand. And Michael writes, what a revelation. God's Word is always like a two-edged sword revealing details we usually miss unless they are shared and emphasized. You can share your reactions to our podcast on Facebook or use the contact section on our website, michaelcard.com. Also, when you go to iTunes or Google Play, you can leave a review of this podcast for others to find what you have found here with Michael Card. If you need to listen to this program again or have missed a recent program, just look for past sessions online. Our website has been fully updated. It's easy to find more details about the program and Michael's ministry. Come explore all that's waiting for you at michaelcard.com. Access Michael's weekly blog posts, learn about his conference ministry, and get the links for subscribing to this podcast in iTunes or Google Play, all at michaelcard.com. And join us next week as we open the archives and present a classic broadcast recorded at the Mole End Studio. Now, for all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Lauren Kosky, Ashley Smith, Lance Mansfield, Jeff Jones, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wade Shepard. Thanks for listening. We enjoy having you here and invite you to join us again next week here in the studio with Michael Carr.